The first reading is from Ezekiel, the second chapter. The descendants also are impudent and stubborn. I send you to them, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God. And whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house, they will know that a prophet has been among them. And you, son of man, be not afraid of them, nor be afraid of their words, though briars and thorns are with you, and you sit on scorpions. Be not afraid of their words, nor be dismayed at their looks, for they are a rebellious house. And you shall speak my words to them, whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house. But you, son of man, hear what I say to you. Be not rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. And when I look, behold, a hand was stretched out to me, and behold, a scroll of a book was in it. And he spread it before me, and it had writing on the front and on the back, and there were written on it words of lamentation and mourning and woe. And he said to me, Son of man, eat whatever you find here. Eat the scroll and go. Speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he gave me this scroll to eat. And he said to me, Son of man, feed your belly with this scroll that I give you, and fill your stomach with it. Then I ate it, and it was in my mouth as sweet as honey. And he said to me, Son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak my words to them. The psalmody for today is verse from Psalm 96. God, O oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord has made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the, the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the people in his faithfulness. The second reading is from the 12th chapter of Romans. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the sixth chapter. The apostles returned to Jesus. They told him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest for a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. 
They went away in the boat to a deserted place by themselves. Now many saw them going and they recognized them and they ran there on foot from all the towns and they got there ahead of them. When Jesus went ashore, he saw a great crowd. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. This is the gospel of our Lord. All right, so the red letter challenge, we're like on day six now, started 40 days of doing this red letters of Jesus, reading them, being exposed to them, and putting them to practice. So uh, how many, I'm just kind of curious, how many have enjoyed the first couple five days of the red letter challenge? Way to go. Sweet. All right, thank you, God, putting it in our hearts that we're going to enjoy this walk with Jesus. All right, so this starts the, the five parts the, of, of this challenge and some of the targets that we're going to aim for as a people of God as we go through this red letter challenge. And the first target, and all the other targets hinge on this, I'll have to say that again later, is being, being with Jesus, okay? Now thinking about this being with him and often how it doesn't always work out for us, I started thinking about... Mine went back to University of Arizona. I was introduced to bicycle riding there. Um, one night, our, one of our, our great Danes got hit by a car in the middle of the night, got out, got hit, and it died. My neighbor right in front of me had lost dogs on that very same busy road by the university, and he knew that it hurt. So he came across that day and just offered condolences. He brought over some of his mom's breakfast stuff because college kids, we don't always eat the greatest of stuff. And so he brought me food and he said, oh, by the way, I see you riding your bike. You have a mountain, old mountain bike. He said, you ride that to school a lot. Would you like to go for a bike ride tomorrow morning? I said, sure. What time? He says, well, like about six. That's when the sun's getting up. I said, are you six? Are you nuts? I mean, college folks, we normally pride ourselves in being able to sleep in the morning, at least a little bit. Six o'clock, we'll go. You'll love it. Fair enough. So I meet with this guy, and he became, since the years, he's become a near and dear friend for all these years ever since. So off we go. We wake up, we're going, and we notice as we're riding towards these Catalina Mountains going north is that the Catalina Mountains come to life in the morning. As the sun comes up, they're kind of dark, they're like in shadows, and then they start bright, brightening up, and there's sides, they're hit by the sun, the sides still in the shadows, and everything in the middle, and they just kind of evolve in this beautiful color combination of trees and cactus and rock. And then the clouds as well. When the sunlight hits the clouds, they begin to just explode with heaven's colors. And you're getting that fresh in the morning with this cool desert air. And it was, it was, a, it was an event for a two-hour bike ride up around the foothills and the mountains and back down to the campus that it captured me. From that moment on, I enjoyed and loved this time on a bicycle. After a few weeks of that event, I started looking for a used bicycle, and I found my very first specialized bike. It was an LA. It was a little narrow-tired race bike, and I was riding that thing three to four times a week with him and then his race friends. By the time we went through the spring and the summer and into fall, I was getting fairly fit, and they were going to go to this race, and it was going to be in Casa Grande, so I said, I'll enter my first race. Now, these guys all had their USCF license, which means their United States Cycling Federation license, which they could race and get points in order to qualify for the Olympics. Well, I didn't, and I wasn't going to spend money just for one month because they renewed them in December, November, something like that. So I entered the citizen's race, and I got advice from these guys. I mean, some of these guys have been racing races across America, and they were pros, and they've been racing a long time. And some of them were college guys, and they were just strong, fit college guys. But they were all giving me this rookie with this first race, all this great advice. I was so pumped. I'm thinking, and they're telling me, man, you guys, you're riding really hard against us you're going to rip their legs off, right? So I said, yes, I'm going to have a great race. And, and, and so we do this race. I enter the race, and it's two laps of 20 miles. So it's a 40-mile race. That's all. Casa Grande's fairly level ground. 
So it wasn't going to be too strenuous for a big guy. Um, and so first lap goes around, and I'm thinking, this is easy. This is good. This is easier than any training run I ever do, and this is a race. Second lap comes around, and I'm sitting right where I need to be sitting, waiting for things to unload. And about five miles into it, four guys go off. And I'm thinking, well, there's the, that, they, they want to win. So I chase them down. I get with these four guys, and we're doing our rotations. Before I know it, somewhere near the end, it's now down just one other guy and me. And we're taking our turns, taking our little pulls, staying away from everybody. And I'm thinking, but I got this. I'm feeling great. How fun is this? And before you know it, he goes like this on his bike. I'm kind of looking at him as I'm coming around, getting ready to take my pull. And I notice, well, there goes the finish line. We just passed the finish line. And I thought the finish line was another mile down the road because that's where we started the race. We started the race over there, but they didn't have the, start of the, the finish of the race there. They had the finish line about two miles in advance of that. And so he puts his hands up, he wins, and I get second place. I get heckled by my friends. They said, why didn't you even sprint? What was going on? I said, I didn't know there was a finish. I was the greatest source of ridicule for them for a long time, <laughs> rightfully so. But it was a great first experience. I'm thinking, wow, that was fun. It wasn't so hard. And I got second place, and I didn't even know it. So I thought, well, we're going to continue this going. So um, gets into the wintertime. Now, wintertime comes, and it, you know, I don't like the cold, and I don't like the dark, even in the desert where it's not so cold, not so dark. So all my friends are racing. You know, my race friends, they continue to ride during the winter. We have the A team, the national A team, and B team down. We have other pro teams in Tucson just because it's warm, it's nice. They're riding all winter long, and I ride a little bit. But I, they wanted me to be on the team, so now I've got my university stuff on, and I'm slick, right? I got my uniform, I got my bike all shining up, and it's time to have the first race of the spring. And since the fall went so well, that one race, I thought, I really want to invite the two loves of my life, my wife, and not my girlfriend at the time, and my mom. They got to come and see this, because I'm really going to show, right? I'm going to... I'm going to just have a great race, and I'm going to have the two stars of my life right there cheering me on. So I signed up for the race, I enter it, and it's going to be good. They're over there getting ready to cheer on. It's going to be a criterion. Now, a criterion is a one-hour race plus two laps, and you can almost see the whole course from one spot. That's nice. On road race, they leave, and you see them two hours later. Criteriums, you see them go around lap after lap after lap. So it's a good time for the ladies to watch. So here we are, lined up, my friend's right there, the team's right there, pow, the gun goes off, and it's a sprint from the start, because it's only one hour, so it's gonna be hard, and it's gonna be fast, and it's lots of turns, and you're diving to turns, braking, sprinting, it's really fun, for about the first 10 minutes. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was feeling great for 10 minutes. I mean, here we go, I'm gonna show the loves of my life just how they can be proud of their man, right? So. Something happened about 10 reasons. All of a sudden, I start feeling my legs like I hadn't felt them for a long time. And, and it's not going away. And then all of a sudden, I'm thinking, all right, I just got to suck it up because my two, they're, they're just right there. I mean, I can't show any signs of hurting. So another five minutes goes by, and okay, it's getting bad. Now, the lactic, I mean, things are building up, and I'm not clearing out the junk, and I'm not producing energy like I thought I should be producing and um, I'm, you know, I'm not taking any pulls. I'm just trying to survive and hang on. Within another five minutes, it happens. My willpower to stay with them, my ability to drive the pedals like I had the previous fall, they're gone. They failed me. Even with the beautiful ladies cheering me on every lap, yay, I couldn't stay with that group. And I'm thinking, I can't be the first one to drop. And so that's the I can't be the first loser, right? I, there's someone else. I, ha I will bleed out my eyeballs and my ears before I let go of this group. And I was, 
I was somewhat delighted because I had seen some guys peel off because they were done. I said, okay, at least I'm not the first one to quit. And so I'm watching them slowly just pull away. And no matter what I can do, I can't do anything about it. And before I know it, they go all the way around and they lap me within a couple more laps. Now, it's hard for me to think. <laughs> Chokes me up now. This thing about On that day and since that time, there's been few times in my life where I felt like more of a disappointment than on that day. It sucked. It hurt in ways that it was just it was shameful. And I couldn't face them. I left the race course after getting laps, just waved to my friends. They were finishing up. And I just passed them, say, I'll meet you at the house in a little while. I'm just riding home. I don't deserve a card ride home. I need to get my hiney on a bike, and I need to ride home, if nothing else. But I just started the ride at Mom's house. And that's how that first day went. Disappointment. Huge, huge disappointment. Now, it turns out, thinking in hindsight now for years, that people are often pretty good at starting things, but we're not so good at keeping them going strong to the finish. See, I'd started cycling. I'd started with a lot of enthusiasm and enjoyment. I was consistently training with my racing friends. And I'd built up a good speed and a long way of keeping that speed and effort going. But I didn't have the discipline and the endurance or the stamina or the strength to continue training with them in the winter. And because of that, I failed my first licensed race. There's a book titled Finish. It's written by John Acuff. In that book, he reveals 92% of people don't finish the goals or resolutions that they set out for themselves. 92%. I read that book and that, that, those parts of it, and it's like, this is depressing. On that day, I was a 92%er. Actually, it wasn't just that day, though. I'd become a 92%er in how I was living my life. See, I got, I got lapped in that race, and I got dropped out of that race, and I went home as a, as a disappointment to those I loved. Because over the winter, I was complacent. You know what complacent means? It means you have a smug satisfaction in your accomplishments of the past, and you fail to effort going forward. I was complacent. That spring race set in. I hadn't trained with the team, and I didn't have the strength to finish. And that came to mind as we're thinking about the Red Letter Challenge that we started just last week. We started on Tuesday with our first book day. Friends, I don't want any of us to start and then let complacency infect us. We started a 40-day Red Letter Challenge, and I want each one of us to finish this red letter challenge as Jesus champions. I can't, we can't accept, and we won't accept this 92%, that 92% of us won't complete this challenge, not us. We will daily remember his life for us and how much he loved and how much he directed and how much he shows us the way, his coaching, if you will. We will daily remember how he went to the finish, even if it was death on a cross, and that that wasn't the finish line for him because he rose from the dead and his finish line for us is set in heaven. 
We will become the best representatives of him that we can. We will be Christ champions. <coughs> Last week, we identified a problem with this. Christians in our country, we have a reputation of not representing Jesus very well. We know all the characteristics that we have of Jesus, but Christians don't reflect that very well. We've tarnished his good name. We also identified that there's another major problem with the church and the people in the church is that we, as Jesus followers, don't have a clear target about what we're to look for and what we're to strive to hit and aim for and become. So that's why in these 40 days, we're going back to the red letters of the Bible. They are the words that Jesus spoke. And from his words, we'll identify and we will target those five main points. The first one being, but the next one was forgiving. And the next one after that is serving. And then after that, it's giving. And the last one is going. How about we say the five things together? Being, forgiving, serving, giving, going. For the next five weeks, today plus four more, we will talk about those targets. And we will be champions. And it starts with being. Being. Think about being. Is almost everything with this, if we want to have inspired love in our hearts and inspired doing, if we want to have be powerful doers in this word, world, you don't get to be a champion at the finish line unless you do the training in the middle. If you don't have the being, you can't be doing. It just doesn't work. Now thinking about this, how, who do we look at? One of the most elite, I mean, this is kind of an elitist sport in the world. It's called, it's rowing, right? And, and most of the time, it's only the Ivy League schools that have schools with strong rowing teams. The aim of that sport is very simple. You get your boat and your crew to cross the line first. And just like any race, typically it's the strongest, the most fit, the best coach, the most trained um, that win. However, there's one major difference between rowing and just about any other sport that we can think about. In almost all the other sports, they focused on winning by crossing a goal line or preventing someone from crossing a goal line. They, they win their sport by crossing the line first and keeping their eyes focused on that crossing line and they keep their eyes focused on, on that prize and that goal. But rowing's different. Not one of the rowers is actually looking at the finish line. Think about it. All the rowers, when they start the race and when they finish race, the finish line is at their back. The rowers are not focused on the finish, rather they are focused on one person. And that person, if it's a man team, it's called the coxman. And that coxman is literally the conductor of those two to five to ten to however many people might be in that boat. I don't know that much about that part of it. But that coxman sitting at the very end, at the very back of that boat, they look to him the entire race. They fix their eyes on them. They don't even notice the competitors. They fix their eyes on that coxman. The key to winning their race, this race of rowing, comes down to the relationship between that coxman and his team, his rowers. And you know when rowers, if they win, when all the teams get out of the boat and they're standing on the shoreline, you know who they congratulate? They don't congratulate the five to ten rowers. They congratulate the coxman. Our walk with God is very much like that. It's like being in a rowing boat. We look to Jesus and we trust Jesus knowing that he will lead us. He will direct our path, even though we can't see it all the time. 
He will tell us when to go faster and harder because he knows our capacities and also know when to slow us down because he doesn't want it to burn up. And he's going to direct us and equip us so that we can be champions. Looking at Jesus is the most productive thing we can do. As we look at him, he will lead us and he will guide us. Now listen to Jesus as he gives us some instructions. He said these words to his disciples. He says it to us. First thing he says is abide. Abide in my word. He said that in John chapter 8. Next one he says pray earnestly. That's from Matthew 9. He also says worship the Lord your God. He says that in Luke 4. He says come with me. Be with me. Rest with me in this quiet place. He said that today in Mark 6. He also says there's a time to fast and to let go of the world so that you can gain discipline in your life so that you can then trust me. He says that in Luke 15. But he also says there's a time to eat and a time to Sabbath. He says that in Mark chapter 2. So all these components of what it means to be a champion, Jesus directs us. Those are his words for our lives. And in case you didn't notice, all of those words have one thing in common. All those instructions that he gives to us as his people are done in the theme that it is with him. It is in his presence. It's not go do this over here by yourself and away from your team and all by yourself and away from me. Everything that he said that was with Jesus in their midst and surrounded by their friends, this team. Because with Jesus and with their team, they will not fall. At the root of all, Jesus wants us to be with them. He wants us to spend time with them. Because Jesus is going to ask us to do so much important work on his behalf, he wants us to be strong with him. He wants us to be the guiding person in our lives. He wants to empower us and to direct us. Now you think about this being and the doing part. Some people are really good at being. There's a small percentage of it, but some people like this being part of Jesus. They like the whole idea of spending time with God, meditating on God. The problem is that sometimes they just don't do much. Here's the example. You might get to this in this week. Suppose you tell your child, go and clean your room. And they're going to come back to you and say, in like a couple hours, they're going to say, hey, mom or dad, uh, I memorized what you said. Go clean your room. That's not going to cut it, right? Now, what happens if they come back to you in like, in like maybe like six hours or say, hey, uh, mom and dad, I know how to say go clean your room in Greek. Well, you might be impressed that your little people have recited this Greek term, go clean your room. But that kind of disobedience doesn't work. How about this? Maybe the next day they said, you know what? My friends and I are going to gather and we're going to study and meditate on what it would look like if we cleaned this room. No, that disobedience does not work either. So why is it that we think that kind of behavior exists is allowed in the church? Jesus says, why do you call me Lord and do not do what I ask you to do? Words without action were never acceptable to Jesus. Faith without action is dead. Clearly, there is a time to do. Now, doing, the flip side of this being, there are some others who really enjoy the doing. In fact, when polled, about more than about 90% of churchgoers would rather kind of do church than to be church, right? Do church. We think that do or being Church is boring. 
It's not productive. We want to get things done. It's far easier to do some church things than to be with Jesus. So much of this reason and thinking about this is I think it's easier for them to do than to be because doing can give them noticed, measurable results. See, I think each one of us have an incredible desire to feel like we are significant, to be recognized as being productive and contributing. We, feel, we want to feel like we make a difference and like we have a value in this world. The only value you have is if you can help someone else make some money, right? So we spend all of our time as a church sometimes doing. We can focus on buildings. We can focus on car washes. We can focus on all the busyness, but we absolutely then have forgotten about Jesus, Here's a fact, we can't, if we, I think it's a trust problem. People who focus on the doing, I think it's a trust problem. If we can't trust Jesus when he says that he loves us because of his grace, if we can't trust him and we want to earn our right to be in the heavenly places with our good works and our polished selves, we want all that, we'll never be champions in the pursuit of his purposes. If we don't spend time being with Jesus, our doing will be less productive. If we don't spend time resting in Jesus and learning from him, we will quickly burn out. Our activity will become mostly about us and the things that will make us look good, and it will be less and nothing about Jesus. We'll lose the emphasis. We'll put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. Did you hear that? Same words, different pronunciation. So no, we won't be 92 percenters in these 40-day challenge. We'll be eight percenters. And to do that, we have spiritual disciplines. These are things that have been given us by the church over the last many, many centuries. Things that have Jesus has instructed and things that they have put to practice that lead to successful results. Here's how it works. First one is worshiping. How it plays out in their lives. When we come to the church and we get a chance to worship and tell God thank you, in many ways, it can give us the fuel we need to keep going in this life for just another week. When we read the Bible every day and listen to it during the day, it doesn't take long for the words of that Bible to take shape and manifest in our lives. And soon it becomes like a fire that's shut up on us. And we just can't be still anymore. We actually have to do what Jesus tells us to do. When we pray, there can be a peace that can come over us. We can't explain it. It just is there. If we fast, we can learn about how to trust on God in time of troubles. We can put none of our trust in our provisions and we can put our trust in Him. And that prayer can drive us to read His Word. And that, that hunger in our bellies can drive us to consider our prayers for Him. That hunger in our bellies can drive us to remember that we are called to be Christian first and not just consumers of people in this world. And then when we rest on a Sabbath, resting, resting with God, you can all of a sudden know that you're loved. In spite of you, you are loved. And you can, with that love, have gratitude for God and a gratitude for people that the world just doesn't get. And you got it. You know, in that race example, I didn't have spiritual disciplines. I didn't have race disciplines. I started off well, but then I left my team. I didn't ride with them as much. I didn't do the training. I didn't do the eating, the diet. I didn't do the whole thing. And at the end of it, I, called, I thought I could still do this. And when the game day showed up, 
I failed. For us, no. Many people think that if they have a problem doing the things that Jesus wants them to do, that they have a doing problem. That they are, they, Here's an example. If they're not loving the way that Jesus wants them to love, then maybe they can just grit their teeth, focus their hands, close their eyes and focus, and say, I just need to be more loving. I will be more loving. Or, or maybe if they're having a problem with the, with the serving and the generosity, if they're having a problem with living a life of holiness, then maybe they could just say, pull ourselves up by their bootstraps, and I'm going to give and serve more, and I'm going to live a life that's holy now, because I'm just going to grit and bear down and do it. Well, I tell you that God doesn't invite you to grit, bear down, and pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. God says, do this with me. Jesus invites you to a relationship, to be with him, to be loved by him, empowered by him, directed by him. Jesus invites you into a relationship. He says, come back. You know, if in your life, if you notice that there's kind of a lack of gratitude, if there's a lack of charity, if there's a lack of peace, if there's like this constant fatigue, again, one of the things I hear about everybody almost all the time is, I'm tired, right? Everybody's tired. And there's also a problem with holiness. If there's a problem with holiness in your life, if there's complaining, if there's like nitpicking, if there's boredom when you come to church, and if there's, if there's this pouting about not getting your way in life, I believe that you do not have a doing problem. You have a being problem. The spiritual disciplines of worship and resting and reading in God's word, prayer, fasting, that's all about being in Jesus. It's becoming one with the God who loves you. Knowing his thoughts and his words and his deeds becoming a part of your life. Doing will flow naturally from being. Now know this, we'll end with this. God's a champion. He finished his race. He has won his race. He's done it. And he's given, he wants to give us all. He gives him himself and the Holy Spirit so that we can be champions as well. So if God has started in you a new relationship with him, if he's given you enough grace and, and to get that thing started, then just trust that God's going to carry you in that grace all the way to the finish line. Just stay close to him. And if God has started you off in a healing of some sorts, in a recovery of some sorts, because this world is brutal and it's wounding and ugly at times, well, if God's healing you from distractions or destructive things and just hurts in this world, then God's going to continue to have you be healed until you cross the finish line. Stay close to him. More healing's coming. And if he started a church like us, this Mission Star Church, in this community for Jesus, that God himself is going to give us the power and the people and the resources and the personal guidance so that we success, successfully cross as champions in this race for him. And if he started a movement in a little batch of Lutherans, a little batch of Christians in northwest Arkansas, of people who will put his words into practice for 40 days, that he's going to change our representation of him in this world. It's going to be beautiful, and it's going to be good. And he will give us the strength to cross that finish line. But it all starts with being in him. He's a champion that finishes. He carries us to the finish. God, help us be his people.
Let us declare our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Gracious Heavenly Father, we approach you in prayer this day and every day because your Son Jesus encouraged us to do so. Trusting in Jesus and believing you to be a God of perfect love, we pray now. Father, we ask you to remove any and every worldly temptation that will interfere with our daily reading of your word and our living in obedience. Of it gives you glory. Teach us the blessed way of Christ. Lord, in your mercy. Lord Jesus Christ, we ask that you continue to guard your church against all temptations and evil-inspired lies. Raise up able and humble leaders that she may have faithful pastors to speak your word, faithful servants to accomplish her mission, and faithful support to provide the resources to accomplish such work. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Father, give to our president, Congress, governor, and all elected and appointed public servants a heart for your people, a desire to lead according to your holy will, and a passion for service. Give a special blessing to all emergency and disaster workers who serve us in our greatest moments of need and protect those who defend us at home and abroad. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Holy Spirit of God, guide us to look beyond ourselves and to recognize the poor and those in need. Give us voices to speak on their behalf and give us generous hearts to supply their need from our abundance. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Father God, we pray for those we know and love who are sick and for those who suffer and for those troubled in mind or heart, for the grieving in their sorrow and for the dying in their last days on earth, for those we name in our hearts now. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Into your hands, merciful Father, we commend all for whom we pray. We will trust in you and your love. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we boldly pray. Amen. Let us declare our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Gracious Heavenly Father, 
we approach you in prayer this day and every day because your son Jesus encouraged us to do so. Trusting in Jesus and believing you to be a God of perfect love, we pray now. Father, we ask you to remove any and every worldly temptation that will interfere with our daily reading of your word and our living in obedience. Of it gives you glory. Teach us the blessed way of Christ. Lord, in your mercy. Lord Jesus Christ, we ask that you continue to guard your church against all temptations and evil-inspired lies. Raise up able and humble leaders that you may have faithful pastors to speak your word, faithful servants to accomplish her mission, and faithful support to provide the resources to accomplish such work. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Father, give to our president, Congress, governor, and all elected and appointed public servants a heart for your people, a desire to lead according to your holy will, and a passion for service. Give a special blessing to all emergency and disaster workers who serve us in our greatest moments of need and protect those who defend us at home and abroad. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Holy Spirit of God, guide us to look beyond ourselves and to recognize the poor and those in need. Give us voices to speak on their behalf and give us generous hearts to supply their need from our abundance. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Father God, we pray for those we know and love who are sick and for those who suffer and for those troubled in mind or heart, for the grieving in their sorrow and for the dying in their last days on earth. For those we name in our hearts now, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Into your hands, merciful Father, we commend all for whom we pray. We will trust in you and your love. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we boldly pray. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen.